This is Agents Influence Podcast. Early on in my career, I learned quickly that I better come out with the best pricing and the best coverage every time. Not just because I like a particular underwriter, am I going to beat them a piece of business? Because I lost the account, and that only has to happen to me once. It was over a thousand bucks, and I like to win. So after that situation, I vowed never to let that happen again. And I always go out to market because I see so much volume. I know who's coming in where in pricing and what jurisdictions. And sometimes I'll even send it out just to block those markets if I'm unsure. But I'm always bringing the best coverage and the best pricing when I can. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 welcome. What's up, loyal listeners? How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast Conversations with Jason Cass. And today I am here with a friend, a a person who I've known now for, oh God, I can't even tell you, five, six years. Well, it can't be more than five because I met you with Travis. So I think we met in 2015, if I'm right. It was around there. It was at the Edge Conference. um, And you were trying to get people to um, uh, give you quotes for, uh, what was that, professional liability. You remember that, Jason? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So go, go, but anyway, sorry, I guess I should, I guess I should introduce you. This is Jason Quaglia of, uh, well, he's just a friend of mine, but where do you work? Do you work at Burns and Wilcox? Yes. I sit on the uh, national healthcare team for Burns and Wilcox. Badoosh. I always bring the big dogs, Badoosh. That's that was the cannonball hitting the water. So here's why we brought this on is I haven't talked to Jason in a while. He used to work with a company that we put a lot of our professional liability with. Now that Jason's left, we found somebody else to do it. Um, But you, uh, one of the things that I really liked about you, Jason, right off the bat is that the way that you tried to get Travis and I's business was why we were all eating lunch. You were going around and handing out these little pads and you're saying, look at, there's only three or four pieces of information. You fill that out, you send it to me, I get you a quote. And we uh, tested you on it. Sure enough, you did what you uh, said you would do, which is something we don't get a lot today in society. Um, And so ever since then, uh, every time we had something be done, we wrote some big professional liability with each other. Um, And we wrote wrote a bunch of small ones. And so now, loyal listeners, um, Jason reached out, said, hey, how are you doing? We started talking. You're going to find out he is kind of an electric guy. Um, He has a lot to think about. He, He also... Um, is true to my heart in the way that, yes, he loves insurance, but he also is big in politics. I don't know how much he is now, but back when, you know, as little as four or five years ago, that was a big thing. So everybody, stand to your feet. If you're swimming, stop for a minute. If you're riding your bike, pull over and get some water. And in the meantime, put your hands together and welcome Mr. Jason Quaglia. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Great to be here. Yeah, it is great to be here. It's great to have you here, man. I'm glad that uh, America is going to get to know you. You're quite a quite a jewel, man. Quite a jewel. So, so JJ, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do before it. Before I do, before I do, I want to let them know about We Got Your Podcast. We Got Your Podcast. Go there. If you are an insurance agent and you have a niche, or you're an insurance agent and you're wanting to start a niche. I can help you with both of those because I've done both of those in the insurance industry and inside of my agency uh, for nonprofits. 
And so if you have a niche, I can help you. Everybody else around you is getting a niche too, right? And they're probably inside your niche. How are you going to separate yourself? Build authority. When you build authority, now you're separating yourself from those who are trying to separate themselves from others by creating a niche, but you are building authority above and beyond that niche. Call us. We can help you put that together. Uh, right now, we're already covering about nine shows, I think, maybe eight, nine shows. I think we just got a new one. Um and we can do it all beginning from you. We can do it to where you record and we do it beginning to end. You record and we just edit it and make it sound pretty and give it back to you however you want. Check us out at wegotyourpodcast.com. Wegotyourpodcast.com. Jason, brother, here we go. Are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? iPhone. iPhone. Wah, 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 wah. Well, that was long, wasn't it? You know, that was that was really long. That's sometimes like asking for the order. You ask for the order and you just sit there. And it's the longest five minutes ever. Jay, what's the last app you just downloaded? Uh, I just downloaded the Pampers Reward Point app. So, so that tells us the point in, in life you are at, Jason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, you need them reward points, man. I'm telling you, them things cost a lot, those I'm diapers do. Saving up for a Friday's gift card. <laughs> Hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. We were all, we all had young ones. Is that your first, Jay? Yeah, it's my first. Oh, wow. Wow. And what'd you say? Three years old, he or she? Three weeks. Three weeks old. Three, three weeks is what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Boy yeah. or girl? Girl. Margo Ann. Girl. Woo. Yeah. Ooh, what so. is it? Margo. Margo Ann. Margo Ann. Mm. Ah. Congratulations, man. Excited for you and the wife. It's, uh, you're probably, are you sleeping much right now? Oh, no, no, didn't, uh, not, not sleeping much at all, so. Not much, okay, all right, you yeah. never know. Sometimes the baby just absolutely lets him sleep, sometimes it doesn't, but it usually comes around around one or two where the one that didn't let you sleep now does and the one that didn't now doesn't, doesn't, didn't, didn't, something like that. Anyways, going back on to making this about you, Jason, uh, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I uh, love to win, love to win. You love to win, love that's to good, win. I like that. Any reason why? Uh, yeah, just, just the feeling, just the, uh, feeling of winning and, and competing and, and, uh, you know, coming out successful. So, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't ever, you don't ever, uh, you don't ever get, feel good about listening to eye of the tiger after you just lost. <laughs> no, right? actually that, that's funny though. That's one of my, uh, get amped up songs. So when I'm I know, ready right? to cold call, that's what I listen to. See, see, you, you, you're preparing and that's the kind of reason because when you love to win, if you hate to lose, you, you listen to country songs about guys and their dogs and stuff and, 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 and they're depressed. So I, I get it. That's why I would like that as well. He's he loves to win. And there's um, two skills here at Agents Influence that we decide, hey, these are the two things that have been dominant in your life. We get to right. make that up. It's our show here, Jay. And one of them is skill and one of them is luck. If you had to use those two in your life and you said that one of those was a bigger factor than the other that got you to where you are, which one is it? Uh, definitely luck. Um, I'd say the only reason I'm in the position I'm in right now is because of all the, uh, personal relationships I've developed over the years. And, you know, you really can't force things like that. They just happen by chance. So yeah, I definitely go with luck. That is, that is, that is, that is, that is. And, uh, I'm lucky because I'm lucky to have met you. So now I have another guest that's going to rock it and kill it and, uh, and change the world out there for you loyal listeners. Who's lucky now? Uh-huh. Anyways. <laughs> Hey, Jason, take me back, dude. Take me back to high school. Take me back, you know, as far as you, well, just college. Make it about three to five minutes, but help us relate to who you are. 
go ahead. Yeah, cool. Uh, born and raised Chicago, far northwest side in a family uh, retail store. Went to Western Illinois University in Macomb, Illinois. Um, uh, studied business management and marketing. While I was there, I teamed up with the agriculture department. We produced Rocky's microwavable organic popcorn. It uh, was very successful. We distributed it all throughout Macomb as well as in Chicago. We even wow. made it in the Chicago Tribune. So, uh, but douche. Yeah. So that's uh, that's probably one of my first successes. I hang my hat on. Um, graduated on like a Thursday, uh, by the next Monday, I had my first job. I was working at uh, GNC Foods uh, or GNC uh, Supplements. Throughout that summer, I ended up picking up three jobs total. I was working at GNC in the morning. Then in the afternoon, I was a liquor salesman for a small import company. And then in the evening, I worked on a charter cruise at Navy Pier. So Love uh, it. Love boom. it, loyal listeners. You hear this stuff. This is what makes champions. I think it's because his name's Jason, to be honest with you. But I won't, I won't, I won't bring that up too much. But anyways, Jay, man, that's awesome, dude. That's Thanks, great. Man. Three jobs, just straight working. I mean, what else did you have to do, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Just make some cheddar. So, um, so then uh, at the end of the season, I ended up quitting those jobs, and a month later, I started at J.P. Morgan Chase as a banker. I worked there nice. for close to three years, uh, uh, getting promoted up to um, an investment banker. And, um, you know, this was two years after the downturn. So, um, you know, I really got sick of banking because all I was doing is telling everybody no. And I had an internship in college with New York Life. And uh, I, I really believed in insurance. I, I saw it as a social safety net. And, you know, I was looking for a niche type of insurance to get involved in that was highly technical. And that's how I wow. found professional liability. And what was the name of your first or the, the place we were at is where you were at before uh, the where uh, we met. That's where that was your first place. Yeah, that was your first place. OK, yeah. All yeah. right, cool. Wow. And then and then you, you started hammering home in that. And then now you're in this healthcare task force, something like that. What is that? Yeah. So at AJ Wayne, all we did was professional liability. We didn't have much experience with general liability. And I started seeing a lot of demand for healthcare accounts, whether it be home health care, nurse staffing, um, surgical facility and imaging facility. And we just didn't have the markets and the expertise uh, for this burgeoning market that I saw. Um, obviously, it's an established market, but it was new to me. And um, so uh, someone from Burns and Wilcox, actually an old underwriter of mine, became a manager over at Burns. And he gave me a call and said that he's putting together a healthcare uh, unit and uh, asked me to sign on. And so I, I made the move about two years ago. Wow, fantastic. You know, and that is an emerging market. I don't care what anybody says, well, that we've been taking care of seniors for a while. Yeah, but it's becoming a lot more sophisticated. You know, you've got the independent, you've got the assisted, you've got the nursing, you've got the long term. So it's become memory care. It's become a lot more diverse. And, and then not only that, not to imagine we have the baby boomers who are all retiring right now. So I think, yeah, that may be a long uh, there may be a history of having these type of facilities, but I think they're really, really exploding right now. Obviously, I think that's what they're seeing at your at your place as well, right? They saw that on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, and and the market's definitely hardening, and it it has been hardening, and and right now, and you know, hopefully, that's something we're going to touch on in the show. Is you know, right now, it's all coming down to relationships because there's a glut of business, and the only people who are able to write it are the ones who the underwriters are picking up the phone. So that's true. That's very, very true. 
That's very true. And I will tell you on the other side about that, Jason, that the 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 market is very underserved by the agents. A lot of these agents have been sitting on these accounts since the 80s, 90s, when they really started blowing up, you know, getting really big. And they've been sitting on those things. And and I mean, when we write insurance against those carriers, I mean, we were writing this one the other day, um, not just the other day, it was like a month or two ago. Um, and they wrote the business income at a one twelfth indemnity. So a one twelfth. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I was like, I'm a CIC. I've never seen a one twelfth in my entire life. And so I started talking and sure enough, who we wrote it through, they're like, we never seen this either. Like, did you guys, I'm like, we're like, no, we did see this, but it's weird. And so I happened to be talking to another guy of another guy. And I happened to mention this. And this guy said, Jason, that's the way we used to write that back in the nineties. I said, really? He said, yeah, for this reason and this reason. And I was like, wow. And it really came together with a lot of other things that I had found out in the account. We wrote this on a broker record because just things were just old, right? They were just outdated. Um, and, 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 and it wasn't the company's fault so much as it was the agent's fault. And so, you know, on your side, there's, there's some volatility. They'll have markets hardening. On this side, we're starting to see that it's actually kind of easy to get that type of business. Now, it may be hard to quote that type of business because the market is hard, but we don't quote. We BOR if the agent's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I think, are you seeing a lot of that out there in the industry or are you just seeing agents quoting and getting it? You know, we're seeing a ton of business get pushed back into the marketplace. Uh, large uh, national carriers that do social services and healthcare accounts are reducing their capacity and their primary limits. So it's definitely pushing a lot of uh, accounts, just like you said, that have been, you know, with one carrier from the 80s and 90s into the market for the first time in a long time. So, um, yeah, we're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of it. And and uh, not to brag, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm winning a lot of business. So Baboosh. Um, there it is go. again, probably because his name is Jason. Anyways, okay, so I won't, I won't keep hitting on that, loyal listeners, I promise. So here's what we wanted to talk about. Jason and I wanted to get together, and loyal listeners, um, you guys will get, be in for a treat because we're here to kind of beat each other up, right? And not me beat up Jason and Jason beat up Jason. That's an impossible fight because we're both awesome. But what we're going to do is we're going to beat up the role. We're going to beat up the things that agents do well, agents do bad. We're going to talk about the things that producers do well, per, uh, not producers, brokers do good and brokers do bad. Because I think that no one's ever really had this conversation. Um, and I think that there's a lot of power, first of all, that J Jason, that we have to recognize as independence that the MGAs, the Burns and Wilcoxes, the RPSs, the, these, these big conglomerates have a lot of power. You guys have a, when you control premium, you control what insurance companies think and how they service and work with the client. Am I wrong or right about that? No, you got that right. Premium is uh, the name of the game in this business. So, and you guys have a large amount of it. So it, it, it tends to be that the insurance companies are going to listen to you more. And I think sometimes us agents brush over the fact that, yeah, that's just someone, that broker's someone I use if I don't have something over here, which is good, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're in healthcare and you're writing assisted living homes, you're writing any, uh, any type of health related, you're not going to have any standard markets that are going to have that. And now that broker 
becomes your reliable friend, just like your direct relationship with your company does. Wrong or right? Tell me what you think about that, Jason. Exactly. No, no, you, you hit it on the head. And that's that's what we keep warning people. And it's, it's not a threat. It's just, um, you know, right now, uh, you know, right now we're available. We have um, uh, new agency relationships that we're establishing. And we're, we're telling people now, now's the time to get in because this market keeps getting harder and harder. We've got the market access and the relationships. If you don't, you know, get in with us now, you know, when things really hit the fan, uh, you know, we, we probably, you know, we may not have the time. So it's it's good, even if you're not, even if you don't actively have business to send your broker, it's good to keep the lines of communication open so that, you know, at least you're on their radar. Right. It's kind of like a bank. That's the way I always say it. Like, I don't want a lot of them, but I need more than one. Right. I need to have like I, I do. I, I, I just 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 so no, because this is just who I use. I use RPS a lot um, and we also use Arlington Row. The only reason we use those is those are through relationships. Those are just the, the way that it's always been. And that's the way we've always rolled. And we have good uh, relationships there. But I'm not to say that I have combined insurance down out of Texas that allows me to quote and bind an issue over 400 lines of business on my website. So there's, there's different relationships that I believe agents need to have out there with brokers. And if you're not doing commercial insurance, this may be clueless to you, but I want to let you know this may be a good little um, a good little way for you to figure out what it's like on this broker and agent relationship in this podcast, because commercial is going to be something that you're going to have to have as an independent insurance agency owner. It's going to be all or nothing. I'm not going to say it's going to eliminate you, but it's going to be all or nothing. And so this is a little good thing to have. Jason, what is something that agents do that you feel is if they did better, it would help the broker agent relationship? You know, so I've been thinking about this a lot since we decided to do this podcast. And, you know, mm -hmm. what I'm seeing really is the, the biggest crux in the broker agent relationship is communication. That, ah. That's the largest thing. It's so tough, right? It's the same communication barriers that the insurance companies have. It's everything has always been through email. And it's great until Jason gets me or him talking about an awesome person. When I say Jason, you can just assume it's either. Uh, whenever we get these emails, we're getting 140 of them a day, realistically 50 a day. And how do you deal with that bottleneck? And how do you do that? Now, when you're talking about communication with the agent, you're talking not so much along the lines, but maybe as to what the risk is versus what the risk is not. Am I wrong or right about that? Yeah, that's true. And, and back to your bank analogy, another thing I'm finding out, especially in the healthcare segment, because it's so hard, is it's it's really becoming difficult if an agent thinks that they can pin two brokers against each other to try to drive the best price for the insured. Because, you know, we only have so much market access in the healthcare realm. And when we're trying to true. build excess towers, you know, I'm blocked at these markets by the other broker. So now we're in a position where I don't have the full market access, so we're not really doing the insured any favors. So if you have that trust in that communication where you tell your broker where you need them to be and what you're looking for, and they can communicate to you, you know, what the market's like and give you a, a good idea for you to, you know, of, of the uh, account that you can reiterate to your insured, um, you know, then you, you shouldn't have to pin two brokers against each other and, and you'll probably end up with a, a better result because of it. 
Okay, now let's talk about that. So agents are sitting there and I know what they're saying right now, Jason, because I'm an agent and we're saying to ourselves, we don't want to have to pin two brokers against each other, but brokers are worthless. Brokers come to the point in time. Now, just a second, Jason and all you brokers out there, I had to say that because it's marketing. It gets you to listen. Okay. So not all of you are but all of you are. And the fact is, is that it seems to me that brokers have this, this hate against agents because we don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't get signed apps. We don't get all the supplements signed. We ask for the same things over and over and we can't figure out how to get it done. And the broker has to help us the same way because we're just idiots at what we're trying to do. But yet we're outside of our norm in a broker relationship. And the agent is thinking to themselves, I met a broker at one time that really helped me out, was really there by my side, really helped me understand policy, language, and forms and endorsements, really helped me understand the different markets. But we sometimes start to feel as if we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing because you're doing what we do. And that is we have 15 companies and we tell our client that we're going to shop them out, make sure that we give them the best risk. But sometimes where we go is the one that's the easiest to do or the one that's paying us the biggest commission or the biggest bonus. And that's what us agents do. Not all us agents do that. We don't. But we all assume, even if we don't do it, that the person in front of us, the broker is doing it. So sometimes we feel as if there's no respect for you coming back at us as the agent. And, and it's not necessarily respect. Let me strike that from the record. Not respect. You guys have ultimate respect for us. We're insurance professionals. It's we, that we don't have an understanding of, Jay, if I knew for sure that like you're my dude, you're going to bat for me, you're checking the markets, you know what's out there, you're not just trying to stay here for this or that, because that's kind of where I'm at, right? I'm kind of sitting here with my client saying, yeah, I know we've had you at the same carrier for four or five years, but we're with uh, Burns and Wilcox Healthcare and they've got all the markets and da 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 and we're like sitting there like hoping that that's what's happening and then the next agent comes along and he gets a carrier and it's Ironshore, which Burns and Wilcox had, and the price is less and better coverages. And we're sitting here saying, my gosh, you know, mm -hmm. I should have had that other broker in my pocket just in case this was going to happen. See how that's a two-way street there? Yeah, yeah, I do. And that goes back, to, well, I, I, you touched on something there, uh, communication and relationship. You know, that's mm -hmm. it. You know, if, if you don't have the relationship, then then, yeah, absolutely. That's going to be the case. I mean, um, early on in my career, I learned quickly that I better come out with the best pricing and the best best coverage every time. Not just because I like a particular underwriter. Am I going to feed them a piece of business? Because I, I, you know, I lost the account and that only has to happen to me once. I was embarrassed that I lost the account. You know, it was it was over a thousand bucks, which was ridiculous. And I like to win, as we discussed earlier. So um, after right. that, after that situation, you know, I vowed never to let that happen again. And, and I always go out to market um, because I see so much volume. I know who's coming in, where in pricing and what jurisdictions. And sometimes I'll even send it out just to block those markets if I'm unsure. But I'm always bringing right. the best coverage and the best pricing when I can. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because Jay, because I can ask you this stuff. Every broker says that you're still going to go back to relationships because that that's what it is, right? There's some agents that are just not going to jive with you, right? And you're cool with that because yep. the relationship's not there. But you're saying at the end of the day, you're working is to harvest that relationship to let somebody know that, hey, I'm cool, school, 
blue, I'm going to go to work for you, you know? And as I think if people know that, and Jason, I know that about you, right? I mean, I'm not saying this, this isn't a commercial for you. Most of you across America maybe don't even have the opportunity to write with him. It's just that there are those brokers out there. I'm giving that to you right into your earlobes there, loyal listeners, is that there are those brokers out there. Um, so Jay, um, anything else that you would like to share about this agent broker relationship? What are some things that you see agents do that prevents them sometimes from getting the best price or getting the fastest service when you have 15 clients to work on and you've got 15 really good relationships with these people and you're trying to go to market. What, what do you like? How can we get better for you, Jay? You know, I, I'd say this is probably the same complaints underwriters have about uh, wholesale brokers. Um, the more <laughs> we know about our accounts, the better uh, outcome we're going to have. So right. sometimes I'll have an agent just dump a pile of uh, uh, cords on me and no explanation or anything like that. And then that's where communication comes in. The next thing I do is pick up the telephone and call them and discuss the account with them to try to figure out what's going on. And even if we're sitting on the phone 10, 15 minutes and we're both just reading the app together, we're starting to formulate a story. But it's easiest if you just hear the elevator pitch from the insured and then tweak it you know, in the best light and present that to your broker, generally verbally written helps too. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm finding, especially with these more complicated risks, picking up the phone is the place to be. You got to pick up the telephone. Picking up the phone is the place to be. I tell you, this is a dispute between Travis and I, you know, Travis well, yep. um, and Travis is Mr. Email. He is Mr. Email and it be, and it comes into his favor so much. It comes into his favor in the fact that he can go back, right? And say, no, this is what was said, or this is what was said. And I think that that's always been great, but I have to tell you that sometimes when we're selling an account, I feel as if I'm better at it because I don't do email. I get on the phone and I say, here's what it is. And so the best of both worlds, which is the, uh, the phone system that Cass is creating, is how we take that text and that voice and work it together. That's for another point, another time. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. But what I want to say is this is really important is this is where also video is becoming big, right? So so here's J J um, Jason, just so you know, whenever we write a piece of business, and we don't do this for every piece, but these are bigger pieces of business. We write an SOA. It was a, um, <laughs> a summary um, of what the hell is wrong with me? It's an SOO. What is wrong with me? What time is it? It's 8.56 in the morning on a Monday. Every Loyal listeners, it's eight. It's on August 31st. I can't even think here. Um, it's a statement of operations, okay? And the statement of operations is one of the things that we teach our producers is very, very simple. Take each application and give a summary of it. Here's my Accord 125. Okay, here's the name of it. It's owned by two brothers. Um, here's, um, here's what their description of operations is. Here's what they do the majority of the time. Here's some of their largest customers. 
general liability. Okay, the two, you know, their main operations are this and this, and yes, they may need this DNO and da da da. Okay, the property. Okay, it's three locations and two buildings. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there and I'm summarizing every one of those applications because here's what I say is that there is a broker, an underwriter, somewhere sitting in a cubicle on the 87th floor of a building in downtown Chicago, New York, Houston, wherever. And they're looking at this application, trying to make a decision if this is a good risk, you know, not a good client or whatever, this is a good risk. And I always say to people, the more you can paint that picture, the more, the, the better that this is going to be. True or false, Jason? Oh, absolutely true. And you, you know what happens a lot too, um, you know, because I'm a personal guy and, you know, one a knock on the big brokerage shops is uh, a lot of big shops don't like dealing with little guys. Um, but, you know, I love it. I come from a small business family. I don't care how big your agency is. I don't care how big your book of business is. You know, once again, I like to win. If you've got a viable account that I can do something with, you know, I'm going to go to bat for you. Um, that being said, nine times out of 10, uh, if I have a good relationship with my retail agent and they have a good relationship with the insured, that will buy us goodwill from the underwriter. You know how many times I've said to an underwriter, hey, listen, this is a great agent. He's a good friend of mine. I know the guy personally. He's got this insured. This insured's his brother-in-law's sister's friend's brother. He's got a great relationship with them. They're good people. Come on, take care of us. And you would be surprised how far that goodwill goes when it comes to pricing, coverage. If you need a favor done, you, you know, you missed a coverage, mm -hmm. you need to backdate, you know, all those, all those crucial insurance uh, uh, pitfalls that we get stuck in from time to time. Yeah, that's good. You're going back to relationship, relationship, relationship. A good key to any relationship is good communication. 95% of the problems that happen in the world are because of lack or miscommunication. And so I think your goes right along in it. I think relationships are destroyed. I think some of the things we're going along in our country right now are based mm -hmm. on lack of or miscommunication. So yeah, I think you're right about that. So here's what we've driven home, agents, is, is that if the relationship is something you preach as to be important to your down client, your client, then it only makes sense that a broker, you would be their down client and client, and they would then think the same thing would be true of what you think of that client. So I think sometimes we think of brokers as oh shit, all my direct markets said, no, I need to find something. And I think maybe one of the things we maybe need to do at these conferences, these conventions that we're at is be focusing on, as Jason says, is finding a Jason, finding someone who's committed and that is going to go to work for you. Now, I will tell you this also, a little, little uh, thing that I've heard some brokers say, and I think it's terrible, Jay, is that a lot of these brokers are saying, well, we don't go on commission our people just handle accounts so they're staffed. You know, they may get a little bonus or whatever for whatever they're doing if they beat their goals, but they're on salary. I got to tell you, the agent, the um, broker that we deal with that does that, I think their people actually were, are, are less um, aggressive. I, I believe that the broker mentality still comes from the agent mentality of the fact that they like to help people and they like to win. And I think sometimes when you take that away from 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 that, I've just noticed, ironically enough, that my my lead time or my time to get a response from that broker is a lot longer than some of the others. And it wasn't always that way until they decided to go commission only. Any thoughts on that, Jay? 
Oh, so I, I misunderstood. So they're commission only versus. I'm sorry. They're they're salary only. They're salary only versus commission only. This broker is. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's really interesting because um, when I was, um, you know, when I was looking to make a move from my old brokerage, I I went around and I called all the other brokerage shops up just to you know hear hear what everybody's doing. And um, recently at a um, at a happy hour, I talked to a young guy from uh, another wholesaler that you mentioned earlier. And he's new out of school. He's on somebody's team, and he's paid hourly. So, wow, it, it's causing him to go above yeah. and beyond to put in the hours because he's hourly as opposed to any type of commission structure. So he, you know, he'll he'll work, you know, he'll he'll work over eight hours. He'll work ten, twelve, you know, fourteen hours because he's just racking up that that hourly wage. So. Um, in that instance, it seems to work. But an experienced broker like myself, I, I would never, I would never work for a, a straight salary. That's um, it, it, no. there's no incentive, uh, incentivation, incentive, yeah, incentivized, incentivation, <laughs> incentive, incentives, some bunch of other things. Let me ask you this question, Jay, as we wrap this up. I have uh, this question and one other to ask you. Why are you not an agent? Why do you stay a broker? So, you know, the interesting thing is I've developed such a network and an expertise um, where I am that I would just be throwing all that down the tubes. Um, I, you know, I think first thing, uh, and you may say I'm wrong, but I think agents make more money uh, than us uh, guys in the middle. Um, Absolutely, and, we do. And I do like the fact that you get to have relationships with the insureds because I care about the insureds because I care about my agents. But you guys actually care about the the end user. And, um, you know, I, I do like that. And you're able to be more involved in your communities and all that kind of stuff, because that's where you're, you're generating your business from. I, I do appreciate all that. But, you know, I've, I've been in the business uh, close to 10 years now, and I just feel like um, all this knowledge and expertise that I have and all these personal relationships I have would all be lost if I if I switch to the retail side. So and I wouldn't expect you to. I think you'll be a broker for the rest of your life and I think you'll be damn good at it. But, Jay, let me ask you this. How old are you? Thirty two. 32. Oh, shit. Man, you're only 32. Wow. Yeah. I was thinking you're older than that. So you've been in it since you were 22, roughly. Then. Yeah, around there. Yeah. Okay. And so if you went back to being 22 or 23 and you knew what you knew now in the brokerage and in the agent side, would you probably try to become an agent or would you stay broker? You know, uh, once again, if I didn't, if when I first started, if I didn't have to be a hundred percent commission retail agent, I might've considered becoming a retail agent, but you know, the fact of the matter is, is it took me probably about two to three years to become comfortable with insurance as a whole, where mm -hmm. I could be uh, authoritative, like you're preaching on your podcast, um, mm -hmm. where I don't think these uh, retail agencies, um, A, the smaller ones have the money, or B, the larger ones have um, uh, are actually teaching people or, or giving them um, the adequate knowledge to be, become successful. And I, I think it's, it's very difficult. And even for startup agencies, someone who does have the experience, if they want to start their own agency, uh, the carriers aren't giving out the market access. And, um, hmm. you know, it's, it's just, um, you know, we've had a ton of consolidation in this industry and it continues to consolidate. And I think there's going to be a point where a lot of capable people are going to just cut out and, and start their own thing. And we're going to see a movement back towards a more independent or, um, you, you know, uh, hmm. I like it model. No, that, that sounds good, dude. And that makes sense. You a reader? Oh, absolutely. I figure so. Cause you seem like a leader. Leaders are readers. 
What are you reading right now? Oh, that's funny. Uh, I'm reading The Greatest Salesman in the World. Really? Yeah. Have you heard of it? No. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Did they write a book about me? <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really neat book. Um, you know, uh, my wife knocks me because I don't read Hemingway and uh, Fitzgerald and all them. I read, I like sales books. I like marketing books. I like, um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. things like that. But no, this book's great. It takes place 2000 years ago and it talks about a a man who has these seven scrolls and these seven scrolls have the secrets to, uh, you know, how to be rich and successful. And mm -hmm. the uh, point I'm on right now is uh, the, the point they made in the chapter was um, the people that become successful are not the people that long for money, but those that long for relationships. And so that's, um, you know, so that's, Boom. that's a pivotal point I've been just milling on. And, you know, I generally wait to process it before I, I jump onto the next chapter. So I really internalize the, the message. The difference is in the relationship today, though. It's like, what does that mean? Because we have to define that. And a relationship is like values, right? Relationship is like we value customer service. We value warm handshakes. We value ink signatures, right? We value these things like we're there for you in the time of acclaim. This is what us old fashioned, that's what it's always been and what we've been taught. And then we've started to realize that no, they want these other tangible things like self-service portals and, and apps and e-signatures and realizing that where we once thought that relationship was has actually been transformed into something else. And so what we do, I think, Jay, I want to get your feeling on this, is we think to ourselves, I have a relationship with that person, meaning I know them, I know their family, I know where they live. Maybe I coached their, their daughter or son in some type of sport. I know them. I have a relationship with them. And I think we're starting to find out that Yes, a lot of times that personal and that business does does see each other. It, it, it does help one another um, have justification. But at the same time, as a business owner and the businesses that I'm dealing with and I'm writing BORs or AORs, whatever you guys want to say out there, when I'm writing these broker of records, agents of records from these accounts, the first thing the agent is thinking is you don't know how to sell because you don't have a relationship with them and you just sold off the BOR. And what they don't realize is in that personal lines example I gave were those old type things, you just being in there and meeting with the board and knowing the executive director personally and taking them food every once in a while, that's not the relationship they're looking for. And so sometimes I think agents out there, Jay, this is where I want you to tell me, agents out there have a misconception as to what that relationship means. I don't necessarily, Jason, need to know you really, really well personally, but we have a good insurance relationship. And I don't think agents are understanding that they think that me and you are like really good, know each other really well, but that's not the relationship that makes us jive. Closing it up, what do you think about that? Oh man, I mean that's I, I mean one of the reasons I I did join Burns and Wilcox be, besides the uh, special specialty was um, at our small uh, wholesaler we didn't have the marketing budgets to help develop relationships, 
Um, you know, I went to the Big Eye Conference once a year, but over here at Burns and Wilcox, our brokers are are constantly popping in on their retail agents. Uh, there's a lot of breaking of bread going on, and you know, there's a lot to be said about you know sharing a meal with someone to you know really help um, you know solidify a relationship. But that also has to come hand in hand with the service and the expertise. And if someone, mm-hmm. if, if you allow someone else to come in and uh, be an authority figure for one of your clients, you know, then you can have the best relationship in the world, but you might just be stuck in the friend zone and they might be placing their business with the other guys. So um, the friend zone, we hate, we hated it in high school and we hate it now. The friend <laughs> zone. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. Relationships are different relationships are different. And here's the thing I want to just say, agents, it has to do with the relationship that they see to be a relationship, not the relationship that you see to be the relationship. So whenever Jason, him, wants to know and and service and get me as an awesome agent, someone he wants to work with, it's about the way that I perceive us to have a good relationship, right? The way it happens with Jim and, and Tom Um, and they're my clients. It's how they perceive they want to have the relationship is how I need to assess the relationship. They've decided that they only want to do it by text messages. If I'm set up for that, hopefully that's because I attracted them because of that. Now that's the relationship that we have. Their relationship is, I love that insurance alliance. Every time I talk with them, I can text them and they text me right back. Agents of the past would have looked at and said, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship. A relationship's when they come in and you know they they sign it and they know exactly what check number they wrote you last month and you know and they pay it right there. That's that's that. There's people out there like that. That's not the relationship. Maybe it is, but what's the relationship of the person you're trying to serve? That's the relationship that you have to have. Any last thing you want to say while closing it up, Jay? Before we get off this awesome podcast. Oh no! Just uh, yeah, no. Jason, you're doing a great job. Actually, um, the last touch I had with your agency was an email sent to my wife. So um, <laughs> she goes, she goes, yeah, Jason Cass is emailing me. I go, why is he emailing you? Why isn't he emailing me? So that that's spread, that spread this whole thing and me coming across your podcast and, and reaching out to you. So, you yeah, know, definitely when, as you're talking about relationship and texting and, you know, email blasts and social media, you know, it's it's back to the old tried and true rule of six to eight touches helps um, emblazon your brand and your your name in people's heads. So you know, be consistent with the follow up and and you know, I'm practicing that myself with my retail agents and prospects that I'm going after, and it's it's proven successful. So well, it is, and your last and your first name's Jason. So I almost said last name, man. If your last was, I, I'm telling you, hey Jason, have you ever thought of that? Like, if you you searched it up, there's other Jason. Uh, there's other Jason Quigget. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. You guys can't even remember believe this because I always say his last name wrong. My loyal listeners know that I always say names wrong. And here's Jason Quaglia. Jason, have you ever reached out there and saw other Jason Quaglias out there? Have you ever uh, met no. one? Oh, actually, yeah, there is one Jason Quaglia. And thank God he's a little younger than me. So I got all my um, uh, emails and LinkedIn's. So I, I, I appear first in the search engines. So. I think it's going to be like a bucket list of mine. Like I have to meet somebody by the name Jason Cass and like just look at them and shake their hand and be like, 
Hey, how are you doing, Jason Cass? I mean, I just think that'd be crazy, you know, just crazy. And so I want to do it. Maybe there's other people out there, loyal listeners, if you've had that happen to you, reach out to me at jason at agency-intelligence.com. Reach out to me and tell me if that has actually happened to you. That, that would be that would be crazy. Don't, don't you just think that'd be wild? Yeah, just be careful. You don't want the universe to collapse on itself. So just make sure it's not a... I didn't know that that happens. Oh, now I'm yeah. not going to do it. Oh. Now I'm scared. I'm not doing it now. It's over. I got, I got kids and stuff. I can't be having the world collapse on me. But hey, Jay, thanks very much for your time, dude. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, no, thanks for having me out. This was fun. And uh, yeah, I hope it uh, helps out your uh, agent network. Yep. They're a necessary evil, loyal listeners. These MGAs and wholesale brokers, they're a necessary evil. And guess what? They say the same thing about us. They really, really, truly do. And I have to tell you that I, for a long time in my relationship, did not have a very great relationship with brokers um, or MGAs is what we want to say. People call us brokers in a way we kind of are. Once again, it depends on the eye, the lens who you're seeing through. Our clients may call us brokers, but in my relationship, I'm calling someone like Jason, who uh, works at Burns and Wilcox, um, is is a broker. And, and why this is important is, is that you're going to need these people at some point in time, no matter how hard you may try. If you're out there just writing business, you're going to need it. And it is based on a relationship. And I don't want you to necessarily just base it on the fact that uh, you had a couple of cold, refreshing beverages with them at the local bar. Talk to other people. That's the reason why I bring Jason on, just not so that you'll call and get his business. But I want you to know, I want you to hear that there's actual, they feel the same way we do about our clients us to them. And and there is a relationship there of being able to kind of uh, work on stuff that you normally wouldn't get. Uh, the last account that we BOR'd, um, as you loyal listeners are very well uh, aware of, was the largest account that I've ever had. And it was in the uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, and, and the point is, is that thank God, thank God, I had some relationships that I'd had for four or five years that was able to get in there because there's some things that we had to do to get the other carriers to change some things. And without those relationships that I had with those brokers and those brokers had with those underwriters, I don't know if it could have got done. And if it wouldn't have got done, it would have stayed where it was. The client would have lost because they wouldn't have got what they needed. We would have lost because we wouldn't have got a new client. So everybody would have lost, but it was because of those relationships that Travis and I had set two, three, almost four years ago in this situation. So keep that in mind. Make sure you find a broker. Make sure they take you out to lunch. Make sure they're really close to you so that they can take you out to lunch. Jason, if you're in the Chicago area, he'll drive anywhere. You ought to see him. He's a workhorse. He worked three jobs at one time. Don't think that he won't drive and see you. Jason, appreciate your time, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Jay. No problem. This has been Agents Influence Podcast. Remember, I do what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass. He's Jason Quaglia. We are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. 
go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.